Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer and set of offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models in dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. The advice and opinions expressed by the hosts of Autism Live and her guests are meant solely as suggestion and should not be in any way construed as child-specific advice. Any choices you make in determining your child's treatment are completely at your own discretion. Oh my gosh, I love that opening. Can we talk about how much I love that opening? I love it a lot uh, because it is so delightful and it's so wonderful. And I think it shows what we're all about here, but it also was created end to end by artists on the spectrum. I'm so proud of the fact that we're walking our talk and I'm saying hello to Dr. Nassim. And uh, we're live right now. It is the 9th of May. Happy belated Mother's Day to everybody. I hope that you had a great day. I fear that you are all like me and exhausted. <laughs> exhausted because I went to a really wonderful Mother's Day event on Saturday. But I, in order to do that, I had to get up extra early so that I could get in my pottery time, right? So by the time I got to the event, I was like... <sighs> Right? But it was super wonderful. It was hosted by the Ed Asner Center and we made paintings and it was really lovely and it was just nice to be with other moms. Hey, good morning from Nevada uh, to, to Nevada. They're saying good morning from Nevada. Laurie, so thrilled to have you here. And then yesterday, because I made a promise to my husband and, and my child when we were in full on lockdown for two years and didn't go anywhere, see anyone that if things got a little bit better and when we were feeling better, that we would go everywhere, do everywhere, see everyone. And so we went to the Renaissance fair for mother's day yesterday and I'm still ve feeling very Renaissance fairy. And so I've got my, my long sleeves on and I'm feeling a little bit of that vibe going on today, but I'm exhausted. I think that's part of the deal, right? Just being a parent, part of the deal. Let's all be exhausted. But I hope you had a good day. I had a good day. We were with friends and it was lovely and talking about all the good things in life. So I hope that you had an opportunity to do that, even if it was for five minutes, because sometimes I can remember a lot of Mother's Day when it wasn't perfect. It wasn't wonderful, right? Can I tell you really quickly about a moment that really choked me up yesterday? Because I was standing there... Um, by the petting zoo and looking at all the kids at, at the petting zoo and thinking about the days when we would have been in there in the petting zoo. Instead, my son was off, you know, learning how to forge knives. <laughs> right? And um, there was a mom and a dad who had a little, and they were coming out of the petting zoo. And I could see that um, the little boy had the co cochlear implants and he had the devices, you know, attached on both sides of his head. And, you know, he was, he was a little, and he had a lot going on and he was very busy and they were trying to get his hands wiped. And it's that thing where you have to pump the thing because it's out in the field. And, um, 
it was a lot. And mom was having to hold him and trying to wash her hands and his hands. And dad was trying to get his hands washed so that he could take the son. And the son had a lot going on. And he, you know, there was, he was interested in the goats still and wanted to go back in. And there was, you know, he was just being a little and, um, and wanting the things that littles want. And, uh, but it was a lot. And it was that time of day, you know, and mom handed him off to dad. And then the minute he was handed off and just a, a foot away and she, you know, just was in a moment and she went, you know, and I felt that sigh to the very core of my being. And I just wanted to reach out to her. And I thought, oh, you know, I'm just that old lady standing here looking weird and in all my sun gear and everything. But I watched and, and I watched how loving they were with this little boy and, and how much it was. And, and knowing that they were, they were having to overcome, it was a lot, it would have been a lot for anybody, but that they had extra, you know what I'm saying? And, and I could tell that she's just a little tired and I couldn't help myself. And I walked up to her and I said, I just want to say to you, you're doing a great job. You're doing a great job. And she went, Oh, thank you. Like, it's so weird. And, um, and I said, no, I just, I need you to hear that. And I need you to know that I had a son, his issues were different, but I, I understand on some level and you're doing a great job. And I just want you to know that and that it's going to be okay and that you're doing a great job and he's going to be okay and you're going to be okay. And she kind of grabbed her chest and she was like, oh my gosh, I just needed to hear that today. And she said, thank you. And I, I, and I said, no, it's all, I just, I needed, I needed to acknowledge that you're doing a really good job and it is going to be okay. And I said, I heard that sigh and she said, oh, I'm just tired. I said, of course you are. You're doing the most amazing job. Of course you are, but these days are going to fly and things, you know, you're going to get things done and things are going to get better and it's all going to be okay. And we sort of parted our ways, but she went off to one place and cried and I went off to another place and cried. But that's what I want to say to all the moms out there. You're doing a good job. It's going to be okay. They're going to be okay. And these years fly, enjoy them in whatever way that you can. I know I got offended when my son was little and somebody said to me, enjoy him. And I was like, we have a lot to do. Don't patronize me and tell me to enjoy him. But I wished I'd understood the heart of what they were saying to me in that moment, which is it's not all the the doing. Some of it is the being, be with them, hold them every opportunity that you can, that they will let you because sometimes they get too big and you can't hold them anymore. So, but the main core of the message is you are doing a good job and they are going to be okay. And you are going to be okay. Yeah. Si se puede, we hold hands. Yeah. So anyway, I'm thrilled to be here. Tired, but thrilled to be here. And we've got an amazing guest. We've been talking about moms. We're going to shift to talking about dads in just a few minutes minutes here. And I've got an amazing dad for you. In fact, he's the founder of the the it's autism dadvocates and it's not just a website. It's not just a podcast. It's that and more. So he's going to be here. Paul Carroll is going to be with us a little bit later on to talk with you guys. And he's, Oh my goodness. Amazing. So that's going to be thrilling, but Traven is showing you some of the ways that you can connect with us here because you know, I love the chat the most. I love talking to you guys. We're live right now on Facebook, on YouTube, Twitter, and a bunch of other places. And Traven is showing them to you right now. Don't forget that we are available 
available as a free podcast wherever you get your podcasts. We're trying something new this week. So this week, the podcast is, um, we're only going to make it available audio only because we have so many channels where it's available for video. So if you are somebody who listens to us in podcast and you, we want to hear from you, we're, we're not taking it away permanently. We're just doing a test this week to see if you're okay with watching that on YouTube. I'm going to be honest with you. It's just very expensive to present the video podcast on the podcasting platforms. They've made it really expensive. So we're doing a little test this week, totally transparent, where we're only going to do the audio uh, podcast and encourage you to go to our channels, YouTube and our homepage now, which is, you can still find us at autism-live.com, but we're also on Autism Network and you can watch the video podcast there because we're, you know, we, we want to be lean, mean and, and doing things the economical way. So, but if that really messes you up, will you please do me a favor and tell us so that we know um, if it's a big deal for you to watch um, the podcasts on YouTube? We, we want to hear. We just did one week test. We're, we're checking it out. All right. Um, but we are available as a podcast wherever and everywhere. And we hope that you will check us out there. We are the number one rated autism podcast. And I say that very humbly because we know that it's because of you guys, because you've liked us, you've shared us, you reviewed us, and you found something of use here. And so I just want to say to you, thank you and ask you if you could double down on that, if you find something you like here, please share it with one person and ask them to share it. That's, we don't spend a lot of money on advertising, very little in fact. So we appreciate it when you guys can do that for us. All right, moving on. I always like to remind you, lots of experts here on the show. I'm not one of them, but I am somebody who has been interviewing people in this this world of autism for well over a decade now. I think I'm in my 13th year of interviewing people. I'm not good at math, so don't hold me to that. Somewhere around there, right? But I uh, I also care deeply. I ask a lot of questions. I always say, not an expert, but I have an informed opinion that isn't necessarily welcome. So if you want my opinion, ask for it. I'm happy to give it, but otherwise don't worry about it. But listen to our experts and, don't, and, and take everything that I say with a grain of salt because I'm not an expert. My son will tell you, not an expert, right? Okay. So we, we do like to start our Monday morning with my favorite thing. Uh, I have many favorite things, right? <laughs> but uh, Monday, we like to start with something we fondly refer to as the jargon of the day. This is when we take on one word, one phrase, one acronym. We try to figure out what in the hey, nani nani, are these experts talking about? What does this have to do with this? Why should we bother? Really, that's the whole thing. Why should we bother? And the reason why we should bother is because when we understand some of these concepts, it helps us to get to that progress that we're seeking. And it can save you money and it can save you time. But the progress, yeah, that's a pretty good thing, right? So today, and 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 pay close attention because usually we do these in pairs, but I'm going to tell you how I'm going to sneak out of the, the, the pair of this. Uh, so our jargon today is positive reinforcement. Now, this is something we talk about all the time. And this really is the cornerstone of the whole shebang Rooney, right? Um, you know, Oprah and before Oprah, Gene Siskel would always ask people, what do you know for sure? And, and you could tell a lot about them by what they would say. And I think about it all the time. What do I know for sure? And what I know for sure is if you understand this concept, your life gets better. Because you can do this for yourself. You can do this for your loved ones. This has nothing, by the way, to do with autism, except that it applies to autism as well. 
So positive reinforcement is part of what makes our life fabulous. And when something uh, is reinforcing for you, you will enjoy things better. You will get more done. You will do more of what you want to do. And that's true for all of us. Absolutely all of us. So this, I feel like we should have like, you know, the queen come in for this one. Yes, I'm still mentally at the Ren Fair. Um, But this, this is, if you can get this concept, you can change your life right now today, right here. Okay. So let's, I know, did I oversell it? Let's, let's look at what positive, first we take the actual definition, then we often make fun of it and the definition, because it's often useless. And then we give you a working definition and we try to put it into some form of context for you. So let's go ahead. Let's go to our, our actual definition, which is in fact from our Cooper Heron and Hayward book, which I'm holding in my hands here. Uh, positive reinforcement occurs when a behavior is followed by the presentation of a stimulus and as a result occurs more often in the future. Thank you, Cooper, Heron and Hayward. And if I didn't love this book so much, I would toss it, right? Because if I don't understand what you're talking about, I'm not going to understand it from this definition. I'm sorry, but that's the truth. And sorry, not sorry, right? That is the absolute truth. How I, I, you know, I can remember, I didn't know the reason why I show you the Cooper Heron Hayward, because if you're, you're like, Shannon, I want to know more about this and I want to understand the whole thing. This is the book. You want to get this book, right? Um, but then you're going to want to go to our jargon channel to translate half of this book. That's all I'm saying. Uh, it's a good book, but you have to know things in order to understand the book, right? So, all right, let's move on to our working definition and see if we can't get a handhold on this sucker because this is the important thing, right? So positive reimport, uh, reinforcement is giving a paycheck that is meaningful to the individual and appropriately matches the effort expanded. So, If I ask you in your job and I say, I want you to do a project and it's going to take you six months to do this project, it's extra and above the thing that you're doing, right? You need to, in order to stay motivated and not want to quit, you got to have some sort of paycheck. Now, it might be that your paycheck is enough. It might be that the work you do is enough, or it might be that I say to you, and I'm going to give you um, extra time off. But, but it's got to be worth your while, right? Otherwise, you find in your head, you start going, eh, maybe I'm looking for another job, right? Because it doesn't, what you're being asked to do doesn't match the effort that you're putting out. This is life. This is everybody in life. Doesn't matter if you're on the spectrum. Doesn't matter, it, you know, if you are talking about a college student or a three-year-old, right? We need to have something that's meaningful to us in order to do the things that we're being asked to do. Now, asterisk being that sometimes the thing is meaningful to us on its own. Great. You see people driven by their passion. You know, we talked about Wyatt Jackson, Nancy's son, and he paints. You don't have to reinforce Wyatt to paint. He paints and he loves it. And then the more he paints and he paints beautiful pictures and then people love on them, that's also reinforcing and he doubles down on it. And it's this cycle where he's living his passion. Fabulous. But what happens when his whole life isn't painting, right? You know, he has to brush his teeth. He'd rather be painting, 
and I'm picking Wyatt as an example, and I'm sort of making this up as I go, but uh, you know, Wyatt does have to brush his teeth. And I'm imagining because he's such a creative soul that, you know, he'd rather paint. So brushing his teeth has to be meaningful to him. There has to be a meaningful paycheck for him for brushing his teeth. And in the beginning, eventually it might be meaningful to him because his teeth feel better. Or it's just part of his routine and he feels better when he's engaging in his routine. But in the beginning, when we want him to get to the point where he's automatically reinforced by it, we got to sweeten the deal a little bit. We got to. So there are tons of ways that we can give a paycheck, but we need to see what's meaningful to that individual. And in this example, we're saying Wyatt, like maybe Wyatt loves watermelon flavor. And we get the the toothpaste that costs extra that's watermelon flavored. And now it's reinforcing enough for him that he's willing to brush his teeth every day. And over time, the brushing the teeth becomes this very pleasant part of his thing. And, and maybe two years down the road, we can switch to something that's minty and he doesn't mind. Maybe. Maybe we stick with the watermelon if it's good for his teeth, Right. But you see, we, we, we can't just say to people, well, you need to do it and you need to do it for doing's sake. I boggles my mind how many times people talk about, well, I need my kid to be respectful to his grandmother because that's just a thing. You need to be respectful to your grandmother. Well, you know, you can stick to that if you want to, and you can be upset every day of your life and you can live your life in disappointment, or we can make it worth they're wild to be respectful to grandma. That if we, you know, praise them for being respectful to grandma, if we give them a meaningful treat for being respectful to grandma, what happens is they start to associate being respectful with grandma to having good things happen. And if it's if the if the deal is sweet enough, then they will do it more often. This is sort of the whole thing the whole shooting match right here, that we do things because they're reinforcing to us. Notice that it's very, very specific to the individual. So a lot of times we talk about teaching perspective taking to folks on the spectrum. We have to do perspective taking. We have to think, what do they want? What would make this worthwhile for them? Now, when your kids are older and have more verbal uh, understanding, you can even ask them, right? But people say to me, well, I don't know how to ask a baby what their favorite color is. We do a preference assessment. You put three things in front of the baby and you see which one they pick up. And then what you know is the one they like right now is that one. And And usually when you see experts do this, they don't just do it once. So, you know, maybe they put three stuffed animals and they're all the same color in front of them and they gravitate towards the pink one. And we go, fabulous. And we go, yay for picking the pink one. Pink, 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 pink. Oh, yay. And then we move them around in different places and go and and sit back and wait to see, do they go back to the pink one or do they just go to the one that's on the left every time? Because maybe they just like the one on the left, Right. There are very clever ways that we can ask people and babies and individuals everywhere in between, what do you like? What do you want? I love it when I hear parents say things like, you know, what should we work for today? Or what do you want your treat to be today? And and kids perk up because they know I'm getting a paycheck. 
I'm going to get a paycheck for this. And, and I know there are some of you that are going to be like, well, I just, you know, I don't want to live my life giving them a paycheck for everything. And I hear you and I, and I, and I want to acknowledge what you're saying. I don't want to poo poo it, but I do want to tell you that's how we all live. That's how you live. Unless you're miserable all the time and you might be. But if you are, stop and ask, what do I want my paycheck to be today? I'm going to do all these things that are going to be hard for me today. What's my paycheck going to be for today? That's a great way to be thinking. It's a great way to be thinking. And the other thing I want to say to you is when we start out this way with kids, they start out, you know, I wanted my son to be polite to people. And when they say hello, and I didn't really know how to do that. But one of his therapists said to him, you know, people just love it when you say their name. So my son was just learning how to read and we would go into Walmart and the greeter would go, hello. And he would look at her name and he would go, well, hello, Betty. And Betty would go crazy and go, well, what a handsome young man you are and shower him with attention. Now for my kid, that was the sun, the moon and the stars to this. And and eventually he forgot that the therapist told him that when people, he totally, totally forgot that. Now he just enjoys that, that everybody says, oh, he's such a polite young man. And he, that is part of who he is, that he wants to be looked at as a polite young man. So there is this crazy thing in behavior that you start out pairing it with something and you pair it with something and you pair it with something. And then it just kind of becomes your thing, right? And it's that way for all of us, including people who are on the spectrum. So positive reinforcement. If things aren't going well today, I want you to stop and ask, have you given yourself positive reinforcement? Have you given the people you work with positive reinforcement? That is, And remember, the important part is it, you might think it's meaningful to you, but it may not be what's meaningful to them. How you know is if you see the behavior happening more and more, the thing that you gave the reinforcement for, if it happens more and more, then you know you had the right positive reinforcement. If it doesn't, it, it's not that you messed up. You just got to try something that's more reinforcing to that individual. We've all had work give us the thing to, to give us reinforcement that we go, eh, that's nice, but I really would have rather had, right? Got to get the thing that's meaningful to the person. Okay, positive reinforcement. We got to move on. Our guest is waiting. Let's look at our question of the day. Our question today, and you guys can be answering on the chat. I see that Amanda's there with her blue hearts. Uh, and Amanda says, yeah, I'm not that parent. We give many paychecks. It works for us, doesn't it? And your life is, I, I think life is gets better when it's the truth. Uh, and Kathy says, my 18-year-old still uses the watermelon toothpaste. Woohoo! I love it. Uh, okay, so here's our question that goes with all of this, saying hello to Helen as well. What paycheck gets you through the difficult moments? Are you using this for yourself? Because I got to tell you, it all starts with us. We got to model this for ourselves, for our community, for our kids. What paycheck gets you through the most difficult moments? How do you get through it? My son gave me the biggest compliment a couple of years ago. I was painting his bedroom. I'm ashamed. We moved into our house and it had these beautiful Winnie the Pooh murals all over it. But, you know, he was starting his senior year of high school. <laughs> and you got to paint that thing, right? And I'm not a good painter. I don't have patience. I'm not good at finishing things. And it got tough. It's, you know, we've got high ceilings in that room. It was really, really tough. And at one point, my son came in the room and he said to me, can you teach me how to do that? And I said, yes, get in here. Let's paint. I'll show you how to put the blue tape down. And 
And he was like, no, no, no. I want to learn that too. But I want to learn. He goes, I see that you push yourself when you get to the part where it's hard, you're able to push yourself through to finish it. How do you do that? I said, oh, I'm not good at it. He said, but you manage it. So teach me how to do it. And I realized in the moment, I never really thought about it. I said, you know what I do? I picture it done. I picture in my head that somewhere on this timeline we call life, there's going to be a time when I'm going to walk in this bedroom and it's going to be done. And this is not going to be the rest of my life. And that I'm going to feel proud of myself that I did this because it was something that needed to get done. And I live in that moment and somehow it just gets done. Um, So that's me. You know, I sort of skip into the future and go, this is hard, but what's it going to look like when it's done? That's the paycheck I give myself. uh, And it's just one of the many paychecks. But what paycheck are you guys giving yourselves? When it gets tough, how are you getting through it? Because other people will appreciate Maybe, maybe it'll be a thing that works for them. Um, Kathy says, my son for the first time got me a Mother's Day card. No one reminded him or prompted him. I'm so happy. Oh my goodness, Kathy. That's amazing. Congratulations. That's wonderful. Uh, Okay, let's move on to our topic for the week. Uh, It's very near and dear to my heart. And, um, and then we got to get our guest in. He's waiting. Uh, so our, our, our topic this week, meaningful rewards, it's gotta be meaningful to the person, right? Cause if it's not, then, then we're doing what we thought would be meaningful to them. It's got to match the effort and it's got to match the individual, you know, some people it's all about the cho- chocolate cupcake and other people are like, eh, on the chocolate cupcake. So we got to We got to have it be individual specific. And that's the key to that all as well. So we got to bring our guest in because he's amazing. You want to talk about amazing dads. Uh, I can't wait for you guys to hear his story. Paul Carroll is joining us and he is the founder and creator of an amazing, amazing entity. I don't even know what to call it because there's a website, there's a podcast, there's so much there. It's the Autism Dadvocates. And I don't want the moms to be scared away at all from it because I find it's a really good resource, you know, um, for all of us. But, you know, we needed a place that was just for the dads. Yes. Uh, there's more to Paul's story, though, and we're going to get to hear more about that. But I do want you to know that he uh, is the executive director of talent development at CVS, which is CVS Health, which is just absolutely amazing. And... Uh, He's someone who is one of those people who gets it done, right? So amazing to have him be a part of our community uh, with over 20 years being a leader in in the area of developing talent. But then, uh, and he's going to tell us how he came to be in the autism world and how that spurred him, because he is so amazing, to create this space for dads. I I want you to check out his podcast. It's so I've been listening to them the last couple of weeks. It's so, so delightful. So let's get him in here and hear from him. Paul, welcome to Autism Live. Hey, thank you so much for having me, Shannon. This is a real treat for me. This is an honor. I I always say, you know, we love to hear from all the moms, absolutely, but we don't get to hear from enough dads. And I find it so uplifting. And every time I talk to you, Paul, I just, I get so excited because I think the things that you're doing are just spot on, spot on. So let's, let's dig in and talk about some of the things that we're doing, but, but let's talk about you briefly here that you and I have talked about this before, that every parent has 
the story, right? So tell mm. tell us the story. How did autism come to be a part of your everyday life? Yeah. And it's so funny, Shannon, because there's so much power in storytelling. And I think that's a big part of Autism Advocate. So every story is unique. Mine is quite unique as well, um, only because my son had a very late diagnosis. Um, there were no indicators, Shannon, mm. early on of my son being any different except for, and we all as parents know this, who uh, I'm looking at the chat, that, hmm, that's interesting. Hmm, that's a little different. But my son verbally uh, progressed at the right age. He toilet trained in less than a week. There were no early indicators, but there were quirks. There were peccadillos. There were idiosyncrasies that caught my eye. Uh, things like when he would write, like he was obsessive about the Arabic alphabet and would just write it nonstop line after line, page after page. Um, he didn't quite line up toys, but behaviors like that, a real desire for order. Um, there were a few red flags. We got him into early, um, uh, early intervention because of some lack of gross and fine motor skills. I particularly noticed on the playground. Uh, I was like, wow, he's really challenged just doing things kids much younger than him can do very easily. We did talk to a few specialists, and um, I always share this story, Shannon, because it's fascinating. I knew in my gut something was different, and I thought it was autism. And at my son's physical with his PCBP, I looked the doctor right in the eye, and I said, Dr. Grumbach, do you think my son has autism? He looked me dead center and said, no, mm. I think your son has sensory processing disorder. So like many dads, Shannon, I think dads default to denial where I do think moms default to curiosity. Mm -hmm. And I remember driving home with my wife and saying, see, the doctor said it, like diagnosis confirmed. It wasn't really until 10 or 11 that he was diagnosed. So just a very interesting and unique journey compared to others I've heard, Shannon. Yeah. But, I, you know, I got to say, I always want to hug everybody when they tell their story, because there's always some part of it where we didn't get what we needed. And I, and I keep hoping that we're going to crest that at some point and that that's going to change. But I do think that all of us telling our stories that I, I think it helps others to realize, oh, okay, I'm not alone in this. But so once you got to the point of diagnosis, Paul, how did you get from from there to this place where you said i'm i'm going to create a place for dads where they can go and feel like they're not alone how did that happen yes so shannon please forgive me because i think i may default to some gender stereotypes um but it's What's part of the motivation and i think everything i say will land with a lot of the moms on the call but like many dads actually like many parents my first order of business was Google search. Yeah. And everyone on this uh, today probably has done that. And the amount of information, the disparate information, I think we can all agree our healthcare system is so fragmented that when you get the diagnosis, you're not given a how to manual. To be quite candid, Shannon, none of us are even given what is the logical next step. It's sort of like, here's a diagnosis, go forth, and I wish you the best of luck. So 
to get to your answer your question, Shannon, the catalyst for Autism Advocate was realizing that moms completely lead in this space. Again, I'm defaulting to gender norms, so Shannon, correct me. I think my experience is moms tend to be primary care coordinators, primary therapy coordinators, uh, really the chiefs of staff for their child's um, everything associated with schooling and therapies, um, really running that. And men, I found, again, generally, we're lost. We don't, we don't know where we really fit. And what I've experienced through the autism advocate community is men who are lost. Uh, many become primary breadwinners because the ugly reality of our culture is if there's an either or, where one has to take care of the child and one has to work, unfortunately, economically, it's still, and that's a statistic, that's not the world according to Paul Carroll, it makes sense for the man to be the primary breadwinner. And uh, perhaps a caregiver to neurotypical siblings. Now, again, very, very, um, I'm generalizing, but I created Autism Advocate because I needed to create a community just for dads where the dads that feel lost like i did have a safe space to go where it's okay to show up authentic it's okay to share your story and shannon i don't like the v word though i'm a huge brene brown fan but yeah where we can all be vulnerable and share you know what i don't have this all figured out yeah well, and I think it's a, it, it's an important thing. As you were talking, I don't know if you've had a uh, chance to interview Sean Stockman from Boys to Men yet, but I really want to recommend that you you have him on the Dadvocates because I I just the other day had to rewatch our interview with him. Um, we've got a great video of him where it's called Sean Stockman takes us to church, and I needed to rewatch it for a reason the other day and. And there was, I had an aha moment where he was talking about when his son was diagnosed and he said, I knew that I had to do everything that I could. And that meant go to work. And that meant mm. that I had, I had to leave and I had to go out on tour. And he said, because that's what I knew that I could do. And I said, you realize that to moms, that feels like you walked away. Yes. And he said, no, that was me staying. That was me saying I'm all in. And, I, and in that moment, I sort of got it that the need where I think I think that we're speaking in generalities here, but a lot of times the dads go, what can they have to take action? And they say, what can I do? I can keep the roof over the head. I can keep the bus moving. I can support her. But otherwise, a lot of times they they don't know what else to do. And and hearing Sean Stockman say that, I was like, oh, I sort of, I, I kind of get that now. Um, so I, I hope that you, because you guys will get on like a house on fire. He's amazing and you're amazing. It'll be two dads, you know, amazing. <laughs> so um, let's talk a little bit about uh, what people can find when they go to Autism and Dadvocate and tell us where to go. And, and all the things that they can find there, because it's a lot what you've done, Paul. Thank you. And I think what I tried to achieve at Autism Advocate are a few things. The website. Thank you. I see it right there. It's, it's, an, it's a website and a podcast. The website is just a community of dads where we can share our stories. And, and Shannon, this is so profound. I'd, I'd wonder if it's the same experience for moms. Because when dads share their stories, there is a, oh, I thought it was just me. I thought I was the only one who struggled with it. And as I say to the dads in the community, our conversations start in the middle. 
they don't start at the beginning because we have so much shared experience that it, there's a rapport, there's a camaraderie there immediately. So Shannon, let me share an example with you and let yeah. you can share if this has been your observation as well. One of the fathers shared a compelling story of being completely aware, oh, my daughter doesn't get invited to birthday parties from her classmates. And I said, that happened to me. And I thought it was just me with my warped thinking of exclusion. And then all the other dads are, yes, yes. When did it become that my daughter and son didn't get invited to classmates' birthday parties? You are not alone. And that profound feeling of validation where it's like, it's not just us. <laughs> it's others in our community. And, and I think because of the way our society is set up, as women, we find that really early on, uh, you know, because we, we tend to gab. Again, I'm speaking in generalities, and I know that there are exceptions to every rule. But as women, we tend to gravitate and find other people that we can talk about it with, and it just comes out. But I don't, I don't think that there's enough opportunity. I don't think there can be enough opportunity for dads to do that. But so you've got it. You've created it. You're, you're making it happen. And, and, and dads can go to the website again. Um, it, it's up there. You can just go to autismdadvocate.org. But if you want to get to the podcast, you just do the slash and the podcast to get that. I love that Amanda's written in and said, I never thought about it like that. This would explain why my husband is so dead set on working himself to the bone. Yep. I would rather support uh, then uh, I would rather support than money, but this uh, special needs life is expensive. So I understand better now. And that's healing to the moms to know, Paul. It's really healing to the moms. Yeah. And I really appreciate Amanda's comments because it gets to the crux of some gender norms. Men, we feel judged by how we provide. And so if we are lost, we will default to the gen gender norm of I have to be the provider as you said, Amanda, this is expensive. So that is where I, as a man and as a father, can step up. Yeah, absolutely. And and it's hard. I, you know, I, I always say I don't think it's been my finest moment with how I supported my husband in doing that. Um, you've had Rodney Pete on, on your podcast, which is so, that's an amazing, amazing show. We've had Holly on many times and Holly says, you know, if she could do anything over again, she would be more supportive because she says she wasn't, that she told him I'm on autism Avenue and you either need to get there or we're <laughs> leaving without you. And, and that it took Rodney a little while longer. And that is not unusual. There are times when the, it's the complete opposite where dad gets there first and it takes mom longer. But we certainly hear the tale often that it takes dad a little while longer. Do, do you guys talk about why that is that it takes longer for you guys to really be out of the denial? I, I think it's partly gender norms. And I would agree with you, Shannon. I think that women intuitively are better connectors when presented with a problem. Women come from a place of curiosity and say, who do I need to talk to? Mm -hmm. Where can I go? Who are my resources? Whereas men, because we have a default to fixing or solution, if we don't have the solution at hand, we can be paralyzed and we can be in denial. And, and Shannon, it's so funny you talked about Rodney Pete because for Mother's Day, I just had Holly Robinson Pete oh, on my podcast. And to hear both sides mm -hmm. of the same story, to hear the dad's perspective, 
And then Holly's perspective, wow, was it fascinating. That's and um, the one story I love, I'm a, I'm a big fan of story, Shannon, is Holly was all in on RJ with autism and his diagnosis and knowing what he needed. And there's a powerful story that both of them share where Rodney was trying to engage and play with RJ. And Holly was like, no, 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 you can't do that. No, 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 you like that. He doesn't like that or that does not work for him. And Rodney's default was like, but I know my son, he's my child and I will engage him. And it was just a great representative story of how you have two parents trying to do the right thing, but coming from different, completely different sides of the equation. And that causes like fractiousness in the marriage, a, a chasm that can open up between mother and father. Absolutely. Well, Kathy has written in and said, I felt abandoned. And to this mm. day, it feels like he'll do anything work-related rather than something something family-oriented. And maybe this show gives you a context for that, Kathy, but maybe inviting him to visit the aut autism advocates and maybe listening to the podcast, maybe, you know, how do, how do you think that moms should encourage dads to get there? What, what's the selling point so we can get them on your site, Paul? I think, I think men do have to take a step forward. Kathy, I, I completely agree that it, I think that's, I'm defaulting to work because it's, it's safe. <laughs> that's where I can default to. Whereas I think we as fathers need to step into the situation. And I think the challenge as fathers is we feel like we're years behind because the women have been the primary care coordinators and the primary therapies and know everything. And, and it's awkward to stumble or fumble as dads when it's our own children. So I would recommend, um, recommend the website and the podcast to dads, because I'll tell you why Shannon, it, Creating a psychologically safe place for dads to get real, I mm -hmm. think, is step number one. And I say this when people are like, well, what is what is autism advocate? There's so much stuff out there, Paul. And I always say this. Before we talk about your son, before we talk about your daughter, before we talk about how you help them. Let's talk about you. Yeah. Let's talk about your unique experience. That is step one. Then step two, we'll get to all the things you need to do as a dad to help your son or daughter. But I don't like rushing into utility because there's just so much stuff out there. And I think as a dad, and I'll be honest, I struggled. I didn't know where to begin. I didn't know where to start. And I think Autism Advocate is like step one. Yeah. Here's the other thing, Shannon. Maybe you've done this on the, um, on the series. It's so hard to get good statistics and data. But what I can share with you through my own research is that fathers of autistic children typically have higher rates of mental health issues, higher rates of depression, higher rates of addiction, mm -hmm. be it alcohol, uh, opiates, or whatever. And as you and I have shared, Shannon, the marital separation and divorce rate is anywhere from 75 to 80%. It's appalling because yeah. it's such a challenging situations for mothers and fathers. So I want to address those things with fathers because if I help the dad, then the dad helps the children and the mother and the everybody in the family tends to benefit. Amen to that. Can I, can I also add to your statistical pile more stuff that we won't want to hear, but oh, I've no. been told, I've been told for the last 10 years that, dads are of children with autism uh, need to have their prostate checked more often because their, their numbers for prostate cancer are higher and they think it's related to stress. 
So ladies, that's one of those things on the list. Have your man get that checked. And men, you know, it's one of those things. And, and for the ladies, we are more likely to have breast cancer. We have to do our checks for that more often. So, um, isn't, isn't that extra fun? Uh, I, I, Kathy has said that this, she is going to invite him and that this is really fun and, and keep in mind, you know, they can be listening to the podcast in the car on the way to work, which is a great way to do it. Uh, Marcia says my father, my son's grandfather always just wanted to know where he could write a check to fix this autism thing. He didn't know what to do and couldn't stand seeing his grandson or me struggling. I see that as a thing, Paul, that as much as we say about how women are so emotional, I sort of feel like it's the opposite, that it feels like to me, the dads struggle with the emotional side of this because emotionally, this is a charged thing and they very much want to fix it. I see dads being, if their kid is frustrated, boy, it's the dads that we have to say, it's okay, let them be frustrated. Do you find that to be true, Paul? It, it is. I'm looking at Marsha's comment and it breaks my heart because clearly that's a situation where the the man cannot process his emotions. And so he's def- defaulting. And I love how you wrote it, Marsha. I got to fix this. That Maybe that that is how I validate my role in this whole situation. Um, I will share part of the catalyst for me creating Autism Advocate was my own experience. And I have no hesitating, no hesitation to share. It was May of 2018 where I hit the valley. I felt completely isolated. There was nobody in my neighborhood, nobody in my community that was a parent of an autistic child. Like many of us on the, on today, like the extended family did not help at all. And because of that situations at work, I, I had to seek counseling, which as a, as a man is a huge step of courage, by the way. And that really helped me to process what I was going through. And once I came through that, then I actually launched and created Autism Dadvocate in early 2019. Again, gender norms. I think women by nature have better emotional vocabulary, better emotional literacy. And though it's a highly charged situation, I think women are just better equipped to handle how intense the situation is. And men struggle, fathers struggle. But it's not because they're without emotion, you guys. I think when we as women look at it and go, well, he's being unemotional about it. I suspect that it, that's, you know, festering somewhere and boiling up. Uh, lots of people writing in. Marcia says, are you finding that any of the dads are recognizing the autism traits in themselves? Uh, boy, what a great question and a loaded one. Um, yes. Because I've actually thought that myself. There is a tick that my son, his, my son's name is Vaughn, does. And I've admitted to no one that when no one is looking, I do that same tick. So I do think, I, I don't know, but I don't know. Um, but Marsha, I think your question is a very fair one that perhaps there is some guilt, again, using a, a good emotion, that maybe I'm the one who is responsible for my son or daughter. Maybe it's my genes, my environment. Um, and I'm looking at Amanda, Jen, I'm looking at Amanda's comment. Yes. Yeah. So you were one of the 75 to 80% uh, that breaks my heart to hear that. 
Yeah, that her first marriage didn't survive. But I don't know if you saw that she really lucked out in her second marriage, won the lotto with her second husband. And that's oh, wonderful. A, uh, we're, we're grateful for that, Amanda. Uh, Christina says, sometimes men are the main caregivers and their wife struggles. Um, I... Uh, a family on my on the bus it's the the mother that has issues uh i'm not sure that i understand exactly uh christina what the what the rest of that sentence was but um yes it can be the flip i i have a very good friend that that quite and i always like to give the asterisk it's not everybody's story because i have a very good friend who is an amazing mom and is totally on board now but she'll be the first person to tell you that her husband had to sit her down and say babe you are in some serious denial and we not we need to get on this bus we need to be moving in a certain direction and and she was still saying no no everything is fine uh, it just took her a while longer and and sometimes it does and we can't judge ourselves for how long it takes us but when we can get on board and say okay how how can I be of service to my child? I think it feels better. Didn't when you, when you realized Paul, okay, this is what I'm facing. And you, the first time that you knew something to do, was that your story that you felt better once you had something to do? Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Like, uh, men want to take action. And I think the challenge, and again, gender norms, asterisk, uh, when one valuable lesson I learned about myself is when my wife would verbalize how challenging the situation it was, I would want to either fix it, solution it, or offer suggestions. And what I learned in hindsight as I was doing it wrong, she just wanted to be heard. She just wanted me to be patient and just listen to me. I don't need you to interject. I don't need you to offer anything but you need to hear my experience, Paul. And that's a valuable insight for us as dads to hear. Like, just listen. Shut up and listen. <laughs> oh, there, oh, there is that. There, there, and all the moms are going, we love Paul. Paul is great. <laughs> I need to have my husband listen to Paul. Um, because I think sometimes men just need to hear that because they don't know. Yeah, and what I would invite the moms to think about is when your husband or partner does interrupt or offer a solution, that is, we are thinking we are helping. So it's not, it's actually coming from a place of good intentions, but we, it is perfectly fair for moms to say, look, I just need to be quiet. I just need to listen. I don't need you to help or, or I don't need, you'll help me by listening, <laughs> but I don't need solutions or fixes. I've got that. And that is something that is a change in my behavior that I have made. Yeah. Well, and I sometimes have had to feed phrases to my husband because I, you know, he'll listen, but then at the end, he doesn't know what to say. And, and so sometimes I will say to him, I'll say, okay, I need, I need for you to just sit still and listen to me. I need to offload this. And at the end, I need for you to be on my side and tell me that I'm doing a good job and that it's all going to be okay. That's all I need. And he goes, oh, I can do that. Uh, <laughs> he's, he's like, oh, is that what's required here? Sign me up. And he pulls up a chair and, and he can do it. But sometimes I have to be that specific with him. Do you, are you that way, Paul? Do you find that helpful? I used to be. I think I'm better now. But I like what you said about, look, I just need you to affirm how I'm feeling. Yeah. Like that is helpful. Yeah. Um, and, and so, Shannon, I'm looking at what Christina's. My husband just stands back and watch when I need help. So advice I would give to fathers is listen 
and ask open-ended questions truly coming from a place of curiosity. How can I help in this situation? And the moms may say, get out. Like right. you're exacerbating and potentially um, creating a meltdown situation if there's two of us in the room. So I think that's another thing I'm trying to teach fathers to do is when you interact with your partner, how can you truly come from a place that helps her? And, and from the mom's side, Paul, what do you recommend that Christina say when she needs help when her husband is just standing there? <laughs> I think, um, I think because women are intuitive, occasionally there's some assumptions. You can tell I need help. Can't you see what, right. like, it is okay. It, it, it's not patronizing if you're very explicit. I need your help. Can you please do this? Yeah. And if it's not in the moment, after the moment is perfectly fine. Yeah, absolutely. We used to do a thing, my husband and I, I don't know if you and your wife did this, where we uh, we would say, I need to tag out. And, Ooh. Right? Because uh, like something would be happening and and we, we sort of set up that one person at a time would deal that we wouldn't tag team on him at the same time. But then when I was reaching critical mass, I would say, I need to tag out. And my husband would go, I'm in, I'm in, I'm, I'm totally in. But that was a discussion that we had when everything was okay. Like at, you know, one o'clock in the morning when our son was asleep, where we go, let's say this, and and that's how we'll know how to do that. I do also want to acknowledge that way back at the beginning, um, somebody asked a question about behavior, and I'm going to get to it before we get to the end. So Roxy, don't give up. We are going to, I'm going to get to your question, but I, I got a couple of things because we're ending our time here with Paul. But Paul, uh, really quickly, I have some rapid fire questions for you because the podcast is amazing. You guys, you've got to check it out. I want to go and listen to the Holly Robinson Pete interview now, but check out some of the other guests that he's had as well. Traven will put the, the, the thing back up, up there. When, when does it, is, does it drop at a specific time, Paul, or a day it, or? It doesn't drop on specific times. I can say to this group, it's about twice a month. I intentionally make the podcasts around 25 to 30 minutes. And no, it's not because men have short attention spans. I've gotten feedback that it is a great podcast episode to listen to during a commute. Yes. So 25 to 30 minutes is a very um, commute-like podcast. Unless you live in LA, in which case you'll listen to yeah. two of them. <laughs> yeah, you get two um, in. So you'll get, you'll get two in. And so uh, which guest have you had that has surprised you the most, Paul? I've made an effort to bring aboard more actually autistic guests. So I brought in Hunter Hansen. He is an amazing um, YouTube. He is a, a, an autistic father of three children. His insights, because I've defaulted to neurotypical guests, and I thought, wow, I really need to hear directly from the source. Uh, the other neurodiverse guest I brought in, his name is Andrew Arbo, and he is um, on the spectrum, and he... Uh, had a we had an episode on driving and because my son is 14 and he'll be driving in a few years it was fascinating for him for me to hear his experiences of how profoundly terrifying and anxiety producing it is to even think about driving okay um so those are the two having like to actually autistic guests on a podcast for me is incredibly insightful I love that. So who's your be all end all dream guest? I love to put it out there. Like who would you just, oh, you want to have them on the show so bad? 
it, 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 it kind of hurts me because I got Rodney and Holly and they were just as lovely as you'd expect. I know they've been on here. It's they are, they are truly just the most wonderful people. I wanted to get Doug Flutie on and not because I'm a Boston College alumni. If you don't know who Doug Flutie is, he is a, a college and NFL quarterback. He is an NFL um, commentator now. And he agreed to be on my podcast, but then his schedule got so challenging and I'm trying to get him on. But it's I, like, I like him because when when dad, especially famous dads like a Rodney, yeah. when Rodney is so forthcoming about challenging, we as dads don't feel alone. Yeah. And we realize, oh, I don't have to have it all figured out because men, man, our egos get in the way and we would never ever want to volunteer that we struggle or don't have all the answers. And when we have guests who come on and say that, it just creates a safe atmosphere where we can tackle the problem a little bit more head on. Well, it's amazing. We've got the the website to go to. AutismDadvocate.org is the website. If you want to get to the podcast, you put the slash in the podcast. We really are encouraging everybody. If you're if you're listening right now, if you're watching right now, go over there, check out what is there. Paul's doing an amazing job. And and it's not just for the dads. I I think I'm learning so much about the dad perspective uh, by going there, right? Which just makes us better partners, but certainly encourage if, if you're a dad watching and if you're a mom, encourage your significant other to go over and watch because Paul wants to help. Now, Paul, I have to take Roxy's question. You can stay or I don't know if you need to go. What would you like to do? I really want to hear Roxy's question, so I can certainly okay. stay on for about four to five more minutes. Okay, great. So that's all we've got left. Uh, Roxy wrote in early at the start of the show and said, I find it difficult every day with my son's behavior. When things get tough, I walk away. Is this a good thing? And and I'm going to say that, you know, first of all, we have to consider what we can handle in a given day. And I love some of the people that I work with. They say, is this a yes day or is this a no day? So first you're taking your own temperature and saying, do I have it in me today? Is today a day where we can tackle something or is today a day where we got to just take it easy on ourselves? Because if it's a day that you're taking it easy on yourself, then then walking away as long as you're not leaving the room and leaving your child to harm themselves is a great strategy. It is not the long-term be-all, end-all strategy in all cases, but it is in some cases. We talk all the time here about that every behavior that somebody, anybody does, that I do, that Paul does, that you do, we ha that has a function. We do things for a reason. I drink my tea because my throat is dry. And we talked earlier about positive reinforcement. As soon as I drink it, the positive reinforcement is that my throat is less dry, right? Your kids who are on the autism spectrum are engaging in behavior because there's a reason. The four usual suspects are to get attention, to get access to someone or something, to get away from someone or something, or because it feels good to them. That's why they're usually doing what they do. There's an asterisk. The fifth one is control when they're older because they want to control the situation. So those are your be all end all five. And it can be a mix of two. But if I am doing something because I need your attention and I don't have the words to say, I want your attention, 
then I might bang my fist on the table. I might hit you. I might hit my head on the desk if that's what gets your attention. If we see that what they want is attention, the fix for that is give them more attention when they're not doing those things. And when they are doing those things, don't give them the attention right? We don't ignore the child, but we would stop, you know, make it so that they can't hurt themselves. But then we would ignore that behavior and not shower them with attention. If they are trying to gain access to something, and let's say they're punching the wall to gain access to something, we're not going to give it to them. But we're going to find times when they're not punching the wall to give it to them. Because remember, they have something they need. So our job becomes, how can I give the thing that they need to them in the right moment? And not for the behaviors that I don't want to see. But that takes a yes day. You got to you gotta understand it. You got to have maybe some support and help to understand it. It's not just something you can pull off every day. Nobody is good at this every day. But when you're ready to tackle it, we've done lots of shows about dealing with challenging behavior. And I really recommend... Um, if you want to be specific about what the challenging behavior is, Dr. Doreen Grampichet is here on Tuesdays. Write into us tomorrow and she'll give you like some real good support. Now, Paul, what do you think? What do you want to add to that? Did I scare you? Know, it, you? <laughs> no, it's such a great question. It, and Roxy's question made me think of something that happened with me. And it's such a classic, it depends. Like I like how you qualified it, Shannon. Like you said, well, if the child is in danger or self-harm or destructive, we certainly can't step away. Yeah. Um, but I actually do think in some circumstances, it is appropriate to step away. And Shannon, if I may just share a super quick story. My yeah. son had a meltdown and I had to be there present, make sure I, I, at one point I did a little bit of restraint, but had to be present so it wasn't destructive. And then he hit that stage where I could feel it was the cortisol levels were starting to decline and I could see, but what my son does at that point is the redundancy. He starts saying over and over and over and over and over. And I could feel my cortisol levels going up because I just couldn't take the redundancy. Um, so I actually intentionally stepped away knowing he's in a good place physically. I need to step away and allow him to just unwind because now I'm starting to get worked up. So I don't know if that story illustrates, but I think it's yeah. fair to walk away occasionally. Yes. Yes, it's not a bad strategy uh, for a lot of different reasons. Uh, Julie wants to know again, what is the name of your podcast, Paul? It's called Autism Advocate. It is on iTunes and Spotify. I have 28 episodes. Again, very I intentionally make them about 30 minutes long. Um, and I've had some great guests like Holly and Robins, Holly Robinson P, uh, Rodney P. I hope to get a few more names that maybe this group knows because the power of storytelling cannot be underestimated. I've got some dads for you. Uh, Marcia says, uh, husbands need to be taught the creativeness of facing and finding alternatives to use when their first line of response confrontation doesn't work. We teach our kids tools. Dads need to be taught the tools too. Hoping awareness of autism and early identification will help the dads today. And, you know, head on over there, uh, Marsha, and get your husband over there because there's a lot of really great stuff happening over there at Autism Dad Advocates. We're, we're past time. Paul and I both need to go. Paul, you're amazing. Keep doing your good work. We need you. And the dads need you. But the truth is we all need you. So thank you so much for taking this time to be with us. Thank you. Deeply humbled and appreciative to be on.
Mwah. And you guys, we're back tomorrow with Dr. Doreen Grampy-Shay for Ask Dr. Doreen. So don't forget, you can be sending your questions now to me, or you can send them in live in the morning. Until then, give your kiddos a hug for me and one for you too. Bye-bye for now. Thanks, Paul. Thank you. So you've got an idea for a business, the store of your dreams. There's just one thing to figure out, everything. That's why Shopify's all-in-one commerce platform makes it easy to sell online, in person, and everywhere else. Sell on social media, source products with an app to get that first sale feeling. It's the only solution that gives you everything you need to sell everywhere you want. So when you're ready to bring your idea to life, power it up with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash listen. 